This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Wednesday, 2nd of November 2022 and it is FOMC day, a very interesting one made Uh, as they always are these days, but maybe made extra interesting by yesterday's September jolts survey coming in way hotter than expected. So if we recall, we had a big drop uh, in August, uh, all the way down to what was uh, at the time 10.05 million um, from the prior figure, which I have not not noted, but it was a big drop. And uh, that was revised higher to 10.28. So a quarter million uh, to the upside, but more importantly, the September figure coming in yesterday, way, way hotter than expected, 10.7 million versus 9.75 million expected. I mean, it's a million swing uh, relative to expectations. And then, of course, that that big momentum drop followed by a sudden surge, just catching the market off guard, really changing the the narrative uh, going into today's meeting. Yields jumped, risk appetite uh, starts to fret that the Fed has to come out hawkish. And uh, I think that will be the case uh, to whatever degree they can. And I'm, I'll speculate a little bit on how they can be hawkish today in a moment. But for now, as we see, on the S&P 500, that that really critical resistance we sort of identified on the way up, the the, the converging a couple of moving averages, the 55-day, the 100-day there, the uh, half, uh, 50% retracement, just above 3,900, all that conspiring and continuing to provide resistance. So that really is the key line in the sand to the upside uh, ahead of this uh, critical meeting. I think the Fed is going to do whatever it can to push back against uh, sentiment and financial conditions continuing to uh, improve. I don't know if they'll succeed, but I think they'll try. What's your take, Peter, here? Uh, a session that was not uh, very pretty from, from the highs yesterday. Uh, no, it's, uh, it was a little bit bumpy to say the least. Um, uh, there was um, the, the, well, the, the e-commerce uh, theme basket, as you can see on slide two, were doing pretty well. Um, there was also the Chinese uh, rebound that we discussed yesterday on the uh, on the podcast. It got a little bit more uh, momentum again in this in the Chinese session. We have the Hang Seng futures up two and a half percent. It seems like there there is a real move inside the uh, the, uh, the CCP in China to uh, to look at these co- uh, COVID uh, policies, which have been extremely restricted. And and then <clears throat> I think the most interesting one was that the bubble stocks and cybersecurity were down, especially cybersecurity. Interesting, given that we have one of the bellwethers in the industry reporting later today. But we'll talk about that. But the way I, I look at the equity market is, uh, as I said on the internal call, if you if you take the current levels and the past couple of days, and you you have to go back to around mid September for uh, for equal levels um, in in S and P five hundred and what was the level in the U.S. ten-year yield, which is the discount rate uh, on future cash flows, uh, plus, plus of course the um, the equity risk premium, and and that and that stood at uh, three and just below three and a half percent. So uh, and interest rates are more than fifty, around sixty basis point higher. We have equities at the same level. We have margins coming down. I think the margin pressure is pretty evident. Um, so the only way to I think to to square this is that. You know there is a, there is a sentiment boost. There is just speculative uh, you know moves that is pushing the the equity market higher. Or and that's also the other combination that you know the the revenue outlook, the revenue growth outlook has has improved. Uh, said in another way, the market is putting a less probability on on a recession. And that actually takes me to to the next uh, to the next talking point. Two things. So first, uh, Jer- Jerome Powell uh, going into this FMC uh, and talking and since you talked about the Jolt report, John. 
has said that the the that the indicator they're looking at at the Fed is the total job openings, uh, so that's the jobs openings uh, divided by the uh, the number of unemployed workers in the labor force. And I'm just looking at this indicator; it's just still sky high. And just to give you some perspective, uh, we haven't put it into a slide deck, but I'll talk you through it. So if you take the level prior to the going into the pandemic, and then you measure where we are right now in this index, we're 56% higher than that level, which was the highest on record, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that tells you how hard the U.S. labor market is, and that's also why the Fed Atlanta uh, wage tracker is still uh, very comfortably around uh, 3.6, 3.5, depending on which measure you use. And if you look at the slide three, and this is what I think, and maybe that's back to you, John, before we talk uh, commodity with all. I think it's a very confusing set of indicators that the Fed is looking at going into this FMC. So you have the U.S. financial conditions back to around zero. So it's they're not overly tight. They're not overly e- uh, easy either, or a loose, sorry. And you have the normal GDP growth around uh, two and a half a percentage point above the average going into the pandemic. So the normal economy is strong. You have the leading indicators, which I've shown here on slide three, uh, which are coming down pretty hard. And uh, if you take the six-month average of the monthly changes in the leading indicators, they are on par with what is pretty high probability of recession within six months. And then you have the jobs openings that that did that come back. I don't know, uh, John, maybe there's some closing remarks on the going into the FMC, uh, because I, I think it, it must be extremely confusing for the for the Fed here. Yeah, I think so. But I think that there's, there's a couple things. I think uh, there's one thing, I would say that the Fed was hoping, and that was likely they were hoping to keep a low profile at this meeting because it's uh, one that doesn't provide the expectations or forecasts in the accompanying materials. Uh, there's a, an election in a week, a very politicized environment across the U.S. Uh, and it wants to you know, look at more incoming data because in the end, the Fed is only going to react to incoming data anyway, of which it gets two cycles before that December meeting, which is really the key meeting on whether they just actually decide to to step down the rate of rate increases. But I don't think, given where financial conditions, uh, how much they've uh, softened up and how much the market has rallied here on some, I think, some assumptions that may be faulty about where the Fed could end up going, I think they're going to have to push back as as hard as they possibly can. Um, I don't think they'll want to get explicit and pre-commit to December because, again, they have those two cycles before December, uh, before they uh, need to make the December decision. But I think what they might do is indicate extreme willingness to do whatever is required and a high reactivity to incoming data. So that sets up very extreme volatility and potential around incoming data, the first of which, uh, of course, will be the, the Friday jobs report. Another couple of notes. Uh, let's recall, if you look at slide four, I put in the March and May FOMC expectations for the Fed funds rate there from Bloomberg's uh, interest rate probability uh, uh, matrix. You can see they're plotting into around the 5% level. So it's almost like the psychological unwillingness to price the Fed significantly above five. So that's one of the key things to watch. You know, once we break above five, is there really any uh, immediate height to where this could go next? Uh, there's all these uh, talk about who is the latest Fed whisperer. We've indulged a bit, maybe a bit too much in that with uh, talking about the Wall Street Journal's Nick Timmerhaus and whether also or instead the new New York Times uh, Jan Smialik, I'm sorry if I'm saying her name correctly, uh, might have a better contacts now with the Fed, but a couple of interesting articles in New York Times, if so, and, and regardless, some great uh, perspective in these articles anyway, on a number of companies talking about hiking prices uh, and that this could be giving, giving the Fed some discomfort. Uh, the the articles, uh, two articles I pull out, you can see the titles there on slide four. And the top one there is the Smelik's latest, I believe that's the one, yes, Corporate America has a message for the Fed about inflation and looking at companies' plans to hike prices 
and their current uh, indications on activity levels, especially in some of the services companies she cites. She does also point out some of the, the goods companies, uh, Mattel Toys, I think was one of them uh, having to mark down prices. But that's that's all the stuff that was uh, really heavily uh, bid up during the pandemic. This is more the services side where she's noting potential for companies uh, to raise prices for the coming year. A couple of interesting names there. So McDonald's looking to raise their prices 10 percent. Uh, next year. That is a, a big company. Hotel bookings are looking very strong. She cites a couple of uh, hotel chains there that have seen less of a fall drop-off than they normally see. And she cites JetBlue uh, talking about very, very strong demand. So activity and travel, etc., apparently still very strong there. So I think the Fed has to at least guard itself against the potential to have to hike rates more than expected, even if it doesn't want to pre-commit. So my lean is for a as strong as possible uh, Fed pushback tonight without getting uh, explicit. And I want to jump over to you uh, before I talk more FX, because I imagine that uh, would be a test uh, for gold, you know, given where given where gold has been trading and, and very heavy at the, at the bottom of the range, if we do get a, a, a hawkish message today. Oh, absolutely. It will be uh, it will be very interesting to uh, to watch because the market has been been finding uh, trying to find its uh, its feet uh, recently on the expectation that, uh, that we were approaching a potential rollover at least a pause in the uh, slowdown in the, in the rate of hikes so um, so it's going to be interesting for from from the goals so we'll be watching uh, obviously yields and and uh, dollar developments uh, but generally it's been a it's, a, it's been a good uh, couple of days for uh, for the metal space uh, driven by the industrial sector and that's also the reason why we got uh, something like silver yesterday to ch challenging $20 uh, key level that could uh, send it uh, that could signal uh, even more stronger gains if it breaks uh, and that is the as, as Peter mentioned the, the continued curve speculation that China was going to ease uh, ease uh, some of the, its COVID curbs we, and even though this, this might be premature I think it's just basically telling us what could potentially happen in the market when uh, when we when we get these uh, easing of restrictions and because they, they will happen that's uh, that's a given it cannot uh, continue indefinitely so so um the the markets uh, we saw the the industrial metals uh, jump by by more than uh, 3% yesterday the industrial uh, the bloomberg industrial metals index you can see that here on slide 6 uh, nickel was the main main gainer yesterday but uh, also cop up uh, around 3% we're holding on to those gains today and uh, but as you also can see on the search we've got multiple layers of, of resistance that needs to be, be taken out before we can be, before i think longer term investors will start to dip their toes back into the market for now they're they're keeping a, a pretty neutral position there and also the activity level if it is uh, remaining higher here in q4 than expected and spilling into next year i have to imagine with those spr draws winding down it could be interesting the, the q4 could be interesting uh for crude oil which has so far been a very uninteresting <laughs> Uh, at least end of Q uh, uh, Q3, and indeed, and the beginning of Q4 has actually been quite quite boring as well. Exactly, but uh, nevertheless, a small bit in the market. Uh, we're near the high end of the uh, the, the recent established range, and uh, the the latest uh, uh, move up. Uh, I think it's it's twofold. Uh, obviously, the OPEC production cuts, which we all uh, knew knew in advance, but they are starting to kick in now. And as you can see on the insert there. These are really the four countries that, uh, out of the whole OPEC Plus group, that is going to uh, that are going to provide the bulk of the cuts, and they they, uh, they sum up to around 1.2 million barrels if they all uh, adhere to the to the new baselines. So uh, so that's the the kind of cut we can expect uh, come through this uh, this month, and it will have an impact on the market. In addition, uh, we also saw the API last night reporting a six and a half million barrel uh, drop in crude oil stocks. If that is being uh, repeated uh, this afternoon by the EIA, 
uh, then that that will uh, provide some additional underlying support for for the oil market. So um, so the the recession worries uh, or slowing gro- slow growth is they're still still there, but uh, but uh, these just highlights the, uh, the the challenges with supply as well. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> rewinding a bit to slide five with the FOMC today, you can see the dollar on our trending uh, our FX board that measures uh, the strength of trends. The dollar very neutral and uh, virtually flat. So we're really just waiting for a signal here. And you can see something like the euro dollar so finely balanced. The recent uh, spurt higher was reversed uh, on the ECB meeting last week. Uh, but we haven't sort of punched back through the uh, back into the old trend channel. But more importantly, sort of the local uh, pivotal areas around 9850. And then there's a little bit of a rising uh, trend line, arguably, or a consolidation line uh, that you need to p- uh, punch out as well to, to argue we're fully into a retest of the low scenario here. Sterling, a big test over the Bank of England. Let's recall that a, almost 75 point, uh, basis points is priced in with another 150 basis points to follow through March of next year. Is the Bank of England prepared to guide for that much for the tightening? I think it's an interesting question uh, as we look for the ahead to that meeting. And they're actually the recession risks are galloping much more quickly into view in the UK than, than for example, in the US. Uh, elsewhere, we saw a, a pretty decent uptick in the Japanese yen, at least broadly speaking, on the, okay, this is the September minutes. I, I really can't get my head around why the Bank of Japan can't get minutes out um, from a meeting uh, that's uh, until it's already held the next meeting. In other words, this is from the meeting prior to this most recent one. But there were a couple of phrases in there that saw some discomfort and potential for them to eventually adjust policy. Uh, there was one phrase. Uh, when, uh, quote, when the appropriate time comes, it's important to communicate to markets an exit strategy, unquote. Uh, so, you know, clearly some discomfort at some level, they are going to have to have an exit strategy. I suspect it might be incremental in the first instance, but still, uh, this is not kind of what the market is expecting after they seem to be trying to hold the line there. So uh, I doubt if there will be much further impact on the Japanese yen, however, if U.S. yields are trading higher after this FOMC meeting. And then uh, pointing out also on slide five, uh, we still have that very weak uh, Chinese renminbi that continues and I think is set to continue until further notice. And the Kiwi uh, jumping on a solid uh, jobs and earnings report overnight. It's I think that move has gotten about as ambitious as it can get in relative or in broad terms here. Uh, so I'll be looking for some mean reversion in that uh, sooner rather than uh, later. And yeah, just the overall impression and the lean is for the Fed to do whatever it can to surprise hawkers. Don't know if they'll succeed, but um, that's uh, that's the lean there. All right. As you look at this market, Peter, there's so many names you want to pull out and your stocks to watch today. There is an, there's an awful lot going on as, as uh, earnings season uh, rolls on. Yeah. And we can't talk about them all. So um, I, <clears throat> I think if we look at Europe this morning, we, we have had a pretty awful miss from Vestas, which is one of the largest wind turbine makers in the world. And I think their predicament um, will show up even more national uh, interest in the EU to preserve this industry and, and, and help it. And I think part of that will be you know different types of curbs uh, and restrictions on imported wind turbines, mostly coming from, uh, from China. I think that's really an ongoing discussion there. Um, Maersk is cutting its container volume uh, outlook from minus 4% to minus 2% for this year. And then the CEO went on uh, on an interview this morning, basically saying that he sees Europe in a recession soon. So again, very different picture in Europe versus the US. Um, a lot of different opinions about whether, we, whether we're heading into a recession or not. And the viewpoint, whether you're a corporate sitting in the container shipping industry is very different from, you know, if you're an economist or you sit in another industry that is actually uh, having a more positive times right now, and then if we if we look at the 
if we look at the if we look at AMD and Airbnb, um, both pretty okay results for Q3, both disappointed on their Q4 uh, outlook. Um, and then Novo here in Denmark, here in Denmark and Europe, the biggest uh, insulin maker against uh, diabetes, very strong beating on uh, both operating profits and revenue. They have a tailwind from uh, from the dollar, strong dollar, and then they're raising the revenue outlook as demand for their obesity drug, Rickney, is doing quite uh, well. So that's the uh, that's the landscape. And as we look ahead into the U.S. session, I have. I had highlighted booking and fortunate. Uh, if I could change it, I would probably, uh, you know, maybe keep booking, but otherwise uh, not make it that bold. And instead, look zooming in on uh, Albemarle because Albemarle is doing refinery of uh, of lithium, uh, which is heavily needed for uh, for electric vehicles. And analysts are expecting their revenue to be up one hundred and sixty-seven percent year a year, uh, earnings more than five hundred percent. So a lot of focus on on lithium miners and lithium refiners at this point in time as electric vehicle demand or uptake is just exploding. And then fortunate, of course, being inside the uh, cybersecurities industry that is uh, seeing very strong growth rates uh, as well. Fortinet is expected to uh, grow a revenue by 30%. So the war in Ukraine and the, the massive increase in cybersecurity attacks um, related to from, from that war. Um, so we know who, who's, uh, who has increased activity a lot, but I think it, of course, it probably goes both ways. Um, but it had really increased the demand for, for, for governments, but essentially also corporates to, to increase their, um, the cybersecurity. And then I put in a little table. I, I did an equity note yesterday where we zoomed in on the, um, on the industry groups in the market just to see, you know, what, what was the, what is the, what are the trends right now? in terms of margin contraction expansion and the revenue and here you can see it for the different uh, industry groups and you can see uh, if you look at revenue compared to uh, q2 it's really software it's mining and chemical companies in the in that materials group energy and real estate that is doing very bad also technology hardware and then the upside banks and retailers and consumer goods companies are actually doing quite well so those are the ones right now that are able to uh, to pass on inflation and in some cases even expand their margin so uh, very impressive there Okay, that leads us to the uh, macro calendar uh, on the following slide, slide 10. So, uh, you know, we talk about incoming data. I think the Fed will try to lean itself up against that and, and indicate a willingness to do whatever is needed without pre-committing. But let's see. Uh, we haven't always gotten the Fed right. But I think that big September shift was quite quite obviously uh, hawkish, the uh, willingness to continue hiking despite uh, the, the jobs market weakening. And now we've got this latest because uh, it is a September data point. But it was very interesting, this Jolt survey. Uh, leading them to believe perhaps that the jobs market is going to stay tighter for longer. So we have, uh, even ahead of that, the ADP employment change up ahead of the FOMC meeting itself. Expectations around that is still uh, around these 200K level, which was what we got in September, a bit above that in September, looking for around uh, 185K apparently on the surveys uh, for that release. Again, we never know what to do with it because it often uh, varies quite a bit relative to the uh, uh, non-farm payrolls change report on Friday. That one's expected around the same level, though, around 200K after a, a solid 263k positive in September. But yeah, obviously it's all about tonight's FOMC meeting. We'll have a wrap on that tomorrow. Uh, pay attention to the, uh, the Powell press conference, obviously, as well for the soft guidance and the, just the general stance that Powell has. I think it's rather important in, in addition to the actual statement, which let's let's be honest, is probably going to keep things pretty tight-lipped uh, because they have the, the bigger uh, round with all the uh, projections at the December 14th FOMC meeting. Other ones interesting, of course, uh, tomorrow, uh, sorry, uh, yes, tomorrow, Thursday with the Bank of England meeting. We'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow, but I already previewed it a bit early as well with will they be confirming that forward 
uh, expectation path that the market currently has. And now that there's the financial austerity coming on board, how do they treat that uh, with a bit of caution, of course, on the economic growth outlook as well. So uh, interesting times, interesting days. I think the, the potential for volatility is very large, not only today, but through that Friday data, if we're seeing the Fed leaning up against this incoming data as a key key factor in its future decisions. So keep that in mind. Stay careful out there. And we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>